This has been called the love chapter. Oftentimes you'll hear it read at weddings. Uh, you, might, you might hear it when people talk about love. But love really is the greatest gift. And when you get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, just say, I got it. We're going to start reading in verse 1. Now, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth here, and I just want to give you some backstory. I'm a, I'm, I'm a big fan of history lately, and so I want to give you a backstory. The people at Corinth, listen, they were so, God was moving so powerfully by the Spirit that these people were getting caught up in all the gifts that they had. There are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to the church so that Christ may be glorified, and we are really living in a time where God wants to do that more and more and more. But this church at Corinth, they had so much of the gifts operating that they began to get proud and themselves. And so Paul writes this to them. So I think we can pick up and look at it from our generation. And Paul says this, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Somebody interpret that for me. Give me the, the you know, our modern translation. What does that mean? What is Paul saying there? Though I speak, go ahead, Michael. Without love, you're just the noise and doing what you're doing. That's a great interpretation. Without love, all that you do is just a noise. Let's keep reading. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and though I have all kinds of faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. Listen, it is so important that we begin to understand faith is important prophecy is important and all the gifts that come either from the father the son or the holy spirit that have been poured out and given to the church are necessary we need prophets evangelists pastors teachers we need all of those we need the gifts of the spirit we need that to flow but paul is pausing everyone to say listen if you have all that and you don't have love you can consider it nothing you have nothing god wants in us a heart of love because that's what his heart is when we get to heaven it's not going to be about moving mountains in heaven. There are no mountains to move in heaven, okay? Heaven is God's place, and everything works the way he desires it to. There is no sin. There is no evil in heaven. So when we get to heaven, it's just going to be about love, and God wants more than anything for us as a generation to understand that we need love to penetrate our heart. We need joy to penetrate our heart so that what we do is not just works, we don't just live on this earth and do works for the Lord so that someday we can get a reward. We do works. We love and we do good because he loves us and he did good to us. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. In other words, I sell everything and give it to the poor. And though I give my body to be burned at the stake but have not love, it profits me nothing. Just think about the power of what he's saying there. A lot of times I look at the, the forefathers of the Christian faith. You know, Peter was crucified just like Jesus, except he was crucified upside down. Okay, so the suffocation process was a little bit more different, a little bit more, you know, not probably not more painful than what Christ endured, because I don't think anyone endured what he endured. But there were, there were some apostles that were sawed in half. 
And when you think about these people, they didn't just give up their lives for the gospel for the sake of giving up their life. They gave up their life because of the love that was inside of them. How many of you know the story of uh, Stephen, the, the, uh, the, the disciple Stephen? Stephen was, now if you read in the book of Acts, you're going to read about Stephen. Stephen lives a very short life <laughs> in his Christian walk. He literally becomes a table waiter. He becomes a servant so that Paul and the, uh, so that Peter and the other apostles can uh, do the work of the ministry. And Stephen gets caught sharing about Jesus, and they haul him in, and they put him before a jury, and he he just begins to prophesy about what God did, and within an hour, he's dead because they stoned him. The Bible says that Stephen was so filled with joy that he looked up to heaven and said, Lord, into your hands I commend my spirit. You see, God wants to develop in us not just a willingness to die for him, not just a desire to do all the good in the world, But he wants that to come out of a heart of love, not because we feel compelled. Remember, God doesn't, God loves the cheerful giver. He doesn't like, he doesn't want us to give grudgingly or out of necessity. So let's keep reading here in verse four. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Man, if there is a word, For the times that we're living in right now, love does not seek its own. Love does not seek its own. Love is not concerned about itself. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. We have to understand, just like I was saying, all those things, the faith to move mountains, the prophecy, the knowledge and wisdom, it's all going to fade away. And at the end, what is left is love. Paul goes on to say in the next few verses that the three things remain, and they are, what are they? What do the three things remain? These three things remain, Paul says. What is it? Faith, hope, and love. And what is the greatest of these? Love. It is the reason that God sent his son, Jesus. It is the reason that he gave us Jesus. I want you to follow me over to 1 John. Keep flipping to the right, to the book of 1 John. We're going to walk through a couple scriptures this morning. I really just want to communicate the heart of God to you, that his heart is love, His heart is love. Who he is is love. And giving good gifts and doing good works, it stems from his love. 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John is one of the final books of the Bible. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, then Jude. So if you hit Jude in Revelation, you've gone too far. 1 John chapter 3. And when you get there, I want you to go to verse 16. 1 John 3, 16. Okay, can you forgive me? I'm sorry. Put your finger there and go back to Romans 5, 8. Oh, another scripture I want to show you first. That book was easier to find. We could have went from 1 Corinthians back to the book of Romans chapter 5, verse 8. When you get there, say, I got it. Okay, when you get there, say, I got it, but look up at me. Everyone look up at me before we start reading Romans 5, 8. 
It is one thing to say, I love you. How many of you have had a friend before say, oh, I love you. You know, I love you. And, and you know, for a while they act like you're, they're, they're your closest friend. And then you find out that they're talking trash about you behind your back. Has anyone ever had anything like that happen to you? Yeah, don't, don't nudge the person here if they're here. Don't stare them down. Don't grill them right now, okay? We have all been betrayed like that. We, we, as a <laughs> we have really... We have really misused the word love. I remember when I was in high school, man, I would tell everyone that I loved them. Oh, man, I love you. Oh, my brother, I love you, man. I love you. You know, you know all, all my friends that were girls would be like, you know, I, I love you. And we really, we really didn't have any understanding of what that word meant. But the one thing about love is that love is proven not by word, but love is proven by action, isn't it? We know that we're loved by action. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? And, and God, I want you to know a lot of people our age right now by the way, I just discovered we're all part of the same generation. That makes me feel closer to you. I didn't know that. Uh, anyone born between 1980 and the year 2000 is a millennial. So we, we're all millennials together. Isn't that great? So I feel, I feel that much closer to you. I, I'm very excited now. So it's just maybe because it makes me feel younger. I don't really know. But I'm so excited. We're all millennials. <laughs> you just <laughs> Some of our friends just missed it by that much. That's okay. That's okay. But um, what was I saying? Before the millennial part. Yeah, but then just after that. We misuse love. Love is demonstrated, and we need to understand that. I don't think that we really fully understand what that word love means. We toss it around. Wouldn't you agree with me that we just kind of toss it around? Well, let's read right here. God Verse 8, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, everyone say still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I want to share this with you real quick. What I, I remember what I was going to say. Our generation really needs to understand that God loves them and God loves us. There are so many people right now that are crying out saying, God, I just want to know that you're there. I just want to know that you love me. And we forget to look to the Scripture. The Scripture says that he has already demonstrated his love for us by giving us his son. And, and the most important part is that he didn't give us his son when we got ourselves washed up and cleaned up. He gave us his son while we were still sinners. Do you understand what that means? Sin is a wedge that drives a gap between you and God. Sin is a separator between God and his holiness and righteousness and us. But Jesus gave his life while we were sinners, not while we were clean, not while we got all dressed up, while we were sinners. Why is that so important? Because Christ tells us when he leaves this earth that just as he has done, we are also to do, that we are to be like him. As we talked about upstairs, the light came into the world, the light shined in the world, but but as many as received that light, guess what? You became the light. You are the light of the world. Jesus says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. So it's not just that God has demonstrated his love, but we experience that love when we give it out to others. And he didn't wait for us to get cleaned up. Let me ask you a real, a real sobering question right now. How many of you have ever walked, driven by, or seen uh, a poor person, a person in need, somebody on the streets, has a thought ever come into your mind, well, I wonder what they did to get themselves there, or, you know, can I really trust that they're really poor? Are they just playing a game? Anyone ever thought that before? I think that thought has crossed all of our minds. 
And what's so interesting is that as you begin to minister to the homeless, which I don't have a whole lot of experience with, but over the past several years, I began reaching out and branching out to any way possible. You know, it convicts my heart when I drive by a person and they're on the street holding up a sign. My immediate question to God is, God, what can I do? So I might bring them bread. I might bring, but you know what's so important is to bring the gospel. When you bring some nourishment, when you bring some food, bring some money, bring the gospel too so that they understand. And when you walk away, don't worry about whether or not or what they did to get themselves there. Don't worry about whether or not, you know, they're going to use that for whatever it may be. You are planting a seed. Many of us are not acting because we're talking ourselves out of acting. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't exercise wisdom. But what I'm saying is God's heart is compassion. God's heart is love. And as we begin to branch out and do what he's called us to do, we need to be open for him to use us. And we have to let that guard down. There are people out there, okay, because I've met some of them. When I go and minister on the street, I talk to this one young lady. Her name is Heather. And I, I saw her every, almost every single day. And I think I'm going to share part of this story with you before. And I, I came home, one, one Sunday I'm traveling home from church, and I said, God, if Heather is there on the street corner, I've already given her money, I've already given her food, but I never got out of my car to share the gospel with her. I said, God, if she is there, I'm going to bring her, I have bread in my car, I'm going to bring her bread, I'm going to bring her some nourishement, I'm going to give her a, a 5 or $10 gift card to Dunkin' Donuts, and I'm going to give her the gospel. And guess what? I pulled up at the stoplight, and I could see Heather out of my right, <laughs> out of my eye. She's there. So now what that means, I have to do what I said I was going to do. So I, I, I wanted to run home and, and get a Bible so I could give her a Bible. So you know what I did? I took five minutes out of my life. I first went and purchased her a Dunkin' Donuts gift card, and then I gave her the bread that I have, and I brought a Bible, one of my very own Bibles that I know I've been waiting to give away to somebody. And I walked over to her. I shared the good news with her. I preached the gospel to her. She received Jesus. But I want you to know something. She also is still making some choices to remain in the situation that she's in. I asked her if she wants some help. We have good friends over at the rescue mission who will help her. Oh, I've been there, and I don't like, you know, certain things about it. And what you have to understand is that, listen, it is not your job to change the world and change everyone's heart. It is our job to be the light. It is our job to plant the seed. And you might, you might feel like, oh, I might get swindled or whatever. Listen, you do the good that God has called you to do out of a heart of love, and God will be glorified. It's been several weeks now, and I haven't really seen her on the streets. I don't know where she is. I gave her a Bible. I told her where to read. I knew what God would speak to her. And you know what? What she does with it at that point, who is it on? It's on her, isn't it? But I can't sit there and be critical and judgmental. I have to do first my part and then allow God to do his. Because you know what I did? I gave God away. Don't you think it's interesting that the angels don't preach the gospel? Why is it that God has angels and he didn't send the angels to preach the gospel? Who did he send? Us. Us. He could have sent the angels and people would have believed them. But he sent us because God wants you to have a part in what he's doing. Okay, now flip over to the book of 1 John. We're talking about the greatest gift this morning. And everything we do in life has got to be done out of a heart of love. 1 John chapter 3, 16, when you're there, say, I got it. By this we know love, because he who is Jesus laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, stop. What does that mean? 
Whoever has material wealth. Now, can I just explain, can we just talk about wealth for a little bit? Because a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich. So don't be looking at me, Mr. Kurt, to go out and give to people. And I want you to know something, something that I have learned. If you cannot separate yourself from a dollar, if you do not learn to give a dollar, you will never give when it's 100. You will never give when it's 200, 1,000. You'll never give because you know what? It's not about the dough. It's not about the money. It's about the heart. And if we don't learn to give in those small times, we will never be obedient enough to listen to God to give in those big times. So I'm going to tell you a secret now, okay? Now listen, it's a secret, but you have to go out and tell other people your age. I want you to know something here. You're rich. You in this room are very, very wealthy. By many accounts, you're wealthy. American teenagers spend more money than any other consumer in the nation, okay? You guys drop 50 to 60 bucks on a video game. I mean, you buy $200 pairs of shoes or five, you know, whatever it may be. And I'm not, I'm not downing, I'm not downing any of that. Listen, I like to spend money too. But if I'm going to spend money on me, I need to be willing to spend it on others. You follow me? Are you following me? We need to begin to shift our focus. Because remember, we don't get to take anything with us. We get to take zip. If you really want, it's so sad that you can't take anything with you. It is kind of sad. All this wealth you build up here, you can't take it. If you really want a good picture, this is what I want you to do. How many of you have a mirror in your bathroom? Good. Shut the door. Ready? You get out of the shower. Drop the robe. Look in the mirror, because what you see is how you'll leave this earth, okay? No clothes, no nothing, okay? And you can glance at how good-looking you are and everything like that, but what you need to realize is it's kind of, like, embarrassing when you think about it, isn't it? Unless you really think you're just the finest thing in the world. I mean, you're just like, man, I'm so good. I like to look at me, you know what I mean? (laughs) But it is. There's, there's a sense of shame and embarrassment that has come because of sin. And it's so important to bring ourselves back to that reality that that's how we're going to leave. We don't get to leave with fancy suits or great clothes or boots or anything that we spent our money on. And so it's important that we begin to develop our hearts here. Verse, uh, read with me verse 17. But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and in truth. Why am I sharing all this with you this morning? 